I'm so uh, glad to be here today because I'm going to share the third and final message on resurrection from the resurrection chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. I entitled the most inspiring expectation of the universe. Actually, I want to say the most inspiring end game of the universe. <laughs> because everybody talking about the end game, about speaking about Avengers end game, I saw it last uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, Monday, Jamie had a colonoscopy, and then hers was a cleaner than mine, so it ended so earlier than I expected. And then uh, Laurel came back from Houston, and she's done with the school, and finally graduated from college. And we want to celebrate, you know, whatever small way, so we decide to go to see Avengers, the end game. And uh, though I don't want to, I'm not going to play a, a spoiler, but I can tell you it's very uh, predictable, too long, <laughs> overly violent, and anticlimactic, that my youngest daughter, Bethel, was absolutely right. It's uh, worth waiting for Netflix. So, <laughs> and then, you know, uh, by the way, some of you uh, watched Avengers yesterday. Are you really satisfied, the end? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay, okay. We have a child here. Uh, and uh, I heard that a, a Marvel studio already planned to make a several more Avengers movie. That means several more villains to come. So Avengers Endgame is not real end. It's just a game to get your money and my money. Okay. In contrast, resurrection of Jesus Christ is a D Endgame. The end game. Jesus not only conquered the death, the last enemy that no one ever could conquer. Today I'm going to share with you, because of that, Jesus ushered into, into most glorious future you can ever imagine for. He's giving us spiritual body. Your future, my future in Christ is more glorious more awesome than we can ever imagine. We barely, barely imagine. And that's why I said the resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in history. And it is the most indispensable explanation of our life and our faith. And today, we'll, I will share this is the most inspiring end game. That not only for the future, but as a, such an important implication today. So without further ado, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 35 to the, uh, 58. We're going to talk about three parts. I'm going to give you the outline. We're going to talk about first part, resurrection and creation. Second part, resurrection and glorification. And third and final part is a resurrection and redemption. Resurrection and redemption. So let's read uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 35 to 41, responsibly, okay? So brothers will read first and sisters you follow. Ready? Let's go. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps to a wheat or someone else.
Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. The sun has a one kind of splendor, moon another, and star another, and stars differ from star in splendor. So again, verse 35, Paul begins with a sum of a Corinthians question. They ask, how are the dead raised? With a what kind of body will they come? When Corinthians ask about the resur bodily resurrection, their imagination was so uh, limited and biased by the Greek dualism, you know, the spirit is good and the flesh is uh, weak or evil. They're negative. Their thought of uh, bodily resurrection is uh, nothing other than like a movie, a uh, classic movie, The Night of the Living Dead. The literally, they thought the raising of the corpse. That's the literal word. So they would say, oh, what do you mean? The, what kind of body? You know, that the body will just come out of that, you know, that semi-decomposed, you know, state or what? They're making fun. And uh, Paul, what he's saying is this. I'm, I'm a, you know, Paul is saying that some of you asked me that question, and your question is really absurd. And uh, there is a no diagram, I mean, Paul is saying that you guys are asking me some specific diagram of our resurrection, and there's a no diagram for this kind of things. But Paul said, we do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed, and soon there is a flourishing plant. There is a no visual likeness between a seed and plant. You could never guess what kind of tomato would look like by looking at a tomato seed. We plant in the soil, and we, what grows out of it don't look anything like it. The dead body we bury in the ground, and resurrection, the body that comes from it, will be dramatically different. That's what Paul is saying. So Paul is giving here the uh, sort of uh, agricultural experience. And of a seed and plant. For that, I just want to make an uh, illustration. So I brought the seed of my, fa my favorite fruit. And I'm going to let you guess. <laughs> oh, somebody guessed it right. This is an apple seed. But do you see apple in here? This is my favorite fruit, gala apple. I don't know whether if Texas is a good soil for the apple, I will plant it, but I doubt it. Point here is, Paul is saying that uh, just a seed, we don't guess what kind of plant will come out or what kind of fruit will come out. Just like that, we don't know exactly, but some kind of a major transformation is on the way. And then he also gives the uh, example that ancient people had, which was heavenly bodies. They are also heavenly bodies, uh, verse 40. Heavenly bodies and they are earthly bodies. And the splendor of heavenly bodies and one kind of splendor of earthly bodies is another. You know, back then, ancient people, they have this, this notion that uh, human soul or mind 
was made of the same substance, ethereal stuff, as the celestial, celestial bodies. That means the stars. So soul would return to stars after that. And that's why a lot of stars are named after who? Especially the heroes, right? The goddess. If you look at the constellation, like Hercules, Andromeda, whatever, Orion, this is all the Greek you know, heroes, right? And even the, the, sol, you know, the stars in the solar system, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, and Venus, and Mercury, these are all the names of God. Actually, in solar system, only thing that named after God is what? Earth. You know what Earth named after? Earth simply is so from Old English. Simply means the ground. I think it's a D ground. Yes, we are the D ground. So Paul is kind of using the common people's you know notion about the famous you know heroes. When they die, they become stars. Okay. And also, this is a very, uh, also there is a Bible verse that speaks a similar stuff. If you look at the Daniel chapter 12, verse 23, Daniel said this, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. So end of the story, this is a Jewish you know, eschatology or apocalyptical thought. The some to everlasting, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of star, and those who lead many to righteousness like a star forever and ever. Paul and Daniel, they're not saying that the, you know, those resurrected, righteous, faithful saints will become, actually become star. He was just suggesting the glorious state those faithful people will, take, will, 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 will receive at the end. So what Paul is saying is that after death, the glory is awaiting for people of God, those in Christ. And George Herbert, um, 16th century English poet, he said this, death used to be an executioner, but gospel or resurrection of Jesus hasn't made a death, just a gardener. How do you like that? And uh, before we go on to what kind of a spiritual body Jesus would give to us? I want to say one thing very important, important, very, very important recognition, truth that we all need to acknowledge. That is, resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms the goodness of a creation. Creation or physical creation is good. God who said in Genesis 1, everything he created was good, is reaffirming through resurrection of Christ and onward. And there is a continuation of a creation and resurrection. You know, many Christians, we have this very unbiblical thought that when we die, we go to heaven and then we will be some kind of spiritual being. That's a very unbiblical. You know, sometimes, at the loved ones, you know, funeral, we kind of comfort one another. Well, they no longer suffer. They will be in celestial heaven. They're looking down at us with a smile. You know, that's only half truth. The Bible talking about bodily resurrection. On that one, I want to say, among the older major religions in the world, no religion 
emphasize goodness of a physical creation persistently like a Christianity. I was a Buddhist. I know Buddhism. I know Buddhist philosophy. Not just a Buddhism. I know I read about Manichaeanism, Platonism, Zoroastrianism. They all say body is a temporary. After that, we're going on some kind of spiritual higher level. Only one who really care about body, besides Christianity, you know, guess who? Atheist, communist, materialist. They say, that's all we have. That's why. You know, money matters. You know, you know play, physical, you know, good matters. Pascal, the uh, Blaise Pascal, he said this. In Blaise Pascal is a French uh, philosopher, thinker, scientist, and a mathematician, the inventor of a calculus. He's, in his writing, he said that Christianity deserves a respect. Serious respect, because of all other human thought, they always take a one extreme the other. Either they make, a, they idolize something, or they 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 disrespect something. When it comes to body, a lot of religion and philosophy, they kind of uh, despise the body. And then some, like once again, the materialists, capitalists, or communists, or atheists, they idolize it. Christianity have a balance. Creation is good. Physical body is good because God made it out of nothing. It came out of God. Even though it's a flood, it has a lot of trouble. It sometimes, you know, takes us back. But ultimately, God will make it new. God will make it new. So that's the first point that Paul is bringing here. And now let's go to the main point, the resurrection and glorification. As Jesus came back with a resurrected body, and Bible called it the first fruit, you and I will receive one day resurrected body. So let's look at it. So verse 42 to 49, let's read a responsibility one more time. This time, sisters, you lead us. 42, ready? One, two, three. Sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of the heaven. And just as we have a bone of image of an earthly man, so shall we bear the image of a heavenly man. Here, I want to point it out that verse 44 is a you know, most of your translation is very, very poor translation. And translators, verse 44, it is sown in natural body, it is raised a natural body. By the way, the word the sown and raised repeated three times, right? But once again, body, and then our future is there is a continuity. This body is like a seed. Something will come out of this. Now, 
Verse 44, it is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. The original Greek, I want you to know that this is you have to know the Greek word here. Actually, Greek word here is psychicon, soma, psychic. You know the psychology came out of psyche. So it's not clearly natural or physical. It's psychic. And the spiritual body is a pneumaticon or pneumaticon soma. That, you know, pneumaticon, that's a pneuma is a spirit, so you know. So this is a, it's not a natural body, it's a psychicon, psychicon. Something with a psyche, okay? So I kind of searched for a while during the week, and I found a great translation on this verse. That is a Roman Catholic translation on this in the Jerusalem Bible. That's a Roman Catholic translation. It said this. When it is a soul, the body, when the body is sown, it embodies the soul. When it is raised, when body dead and raised through the resurrection of Christ at the end, it embodies the spirit. If the soul has its embodiment, so does the spirit has its own embodiment. So our current physical body is not just a body. Each body, there's a soul. It's animated by soul. But Paul is saying in the future, our body will no longer animate by the soul, by the spirit. That's a spiritual body. What's the difference? What is a, you know, soul and body? Okay. Let me give you a good definition. First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, Paul, one of the things that he prayed at the end, greeting is, may God sanctify your body and your spirit and your soul. That's a Paul threefold in a benediction. Now, body is our ability to interact with the physical realm. That is our body. Soul, simple definition of soul, is our ability to interact with a sort of a, a, the world non-physical world, more like a mental world. Spirit is our ability to interact with God. Okay? So by soul, our body is not soul, just a, just a physical entity. It is embodied soul, or soul in body. Soul in body. It is animated by the soul. And then soul is affected by whatever going on around our world. So now here we see the problem of our body today. Because our body is animated by our soul that was affected by the world. That's how our, each one of us use our body differently. For instance, if your soul is a you know, you know, Korean soul, you like a kimchi. When you have a choice between salad and kimchi, you will choose a kimchi, you know? Or your soul is uh, affected by, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, Latino American culture like me. I like uh, salsa. I like uh, all the Central America dance, far more than others. Yeah. When I'm sleepy in the car and driving, I turn on the Latin, Amer I mean, Latin channel, and I try to dance in the car seat as much as I can to away. Yeah? The music, music follows your soul. You know, we all have a different music. I don't get the BTS. <laughs> I'm sorry, BTS, whatever. Ah, <laughs> when, when people go crazy about BTS, I say, wow, I like a Julio Iglesias. I'm sorry, you don't know Julio Iglesias. But uh, you know, I'm sorry, we have a different soul. Soul totally 
take us a different route. Now, sometimes I saw our soul is so tempted by world. Our soul takes us that distorted God-given truth and beauty and good. God gave us a wonderful life, but we twist it. So, N.T. Wright, in his book, Simply Christian, Why Christianity Makes Sense, he, made a, this, the, the, uh, uh, he, he said this, We are made for spirituality, but we wallow in introspection. We are made for joy, but we settle for pleasure. We confuse the joy with the pleasure. We are made for justice, but we claim off for vengeance. We are made for relationship, but we insist relationship in our own way. We are made for the beauty, but we are satisfied with the sentiment. I want to bring up something very, we all know, especially in this day and generation. Pornography, serious issue. Why we are attracted to pornography? Because our soul received a dis distorted view of a beauty. Nobody watches pornography with ugly people making love. This is a you know, certain kind of people. You know, young, I mean, in case of woman, has to be usually young and then whatever figure we people call it, right? And man also is, you know, some kind of very, you know, very sexy man, whatever, sexy man alive, whatever. That's that there's a certain image of sexy man or the sexiest man alive, right? All this came from the world. It didn't come from God. The sense of beauty is totally world-made. And good news today is that when Jesus at the end gave us a spiritual body, we no longer, our body will follow our soul, but will follow the Spirit of God. Our body will enjoy the taste of God. Our body will no longer do the stupid, dirty things, shameful things, but our body will no longer have that kind of a sinful desire or craving, but our body have a new taste. Whatever things that God has, that's what we yearn for. For the first time, there is no more competition and conflict between our spirit and our body. There's no more enmity. There's no more internal war. There's no more side that Paul said in the Romans, that what to me, I'm in the dead body. Our spirit, our body will follow the desire of the spirit. That is a glorification. That is a glorification. You know, glorification is not some kind of a, a esoteric Christian saying that, oh, you know, when you go to heaven, we all get a halo from, halo like uh, angels, and we'll fly around and they hello, you know. That's not a, you know, maybe that's for angels. Our real glorification is that our body fully, fully, follows God's desire. That is the glory of human beings. And that is what the Bible talks about, the redemption of the body as the ultimate. That's what happened to you and me at the end. So let's look at a few passages. 
Let me, let's look at the, uh, let, 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 let's read, uh, where is that? Uh, let's look at the Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Let me give you some Bible passages, and I hope you get this very clearly. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. As we eagerly wait our Savior from there, Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables to bring everything under his control. Romans, actually 1 Corinthians 15, 23 and 28, Paul already talked about that. Everything God put under the feet of the Christ. And then Christ will transform what? Our lowly body so that they will be like his glorious, I'm sorry, body. The Y is missing. All right. Okay. Okay. Glorious body. Glorious body. What is a glorious? It's not a, talking about a halo. Our body will not desire the puny pornography, but true love of God. You know, in presence of God, in glory, we will love every shape, every size, every color of a human body because they are made in the image of God. Right now in this world, we selectively make this is a good body, this is an ugly body. Who made the choice? You know, world, they make tons of money off that distorted image and beauty, right? I'm sorry, Asian woman. Some of you, you're following the concept of a white beauty. You know that? Somehow there is an idea that whiter your skin is better. That's why you go to, you travel to East Asia. They all kind of, you know, you know, uh, uh, use the whatever things to make you white and then even sun, you know, it's a shade. It's not a health reason. It is all the aesthetics, right? I think, you know, God made us a white, brown, and dark, and whatever dark. They're all beauty. You know, and then back in college, I saw, you know, I went to Christian school. It's a Christian school. Some of my black friends, they're saying, what is a true black beauty? And the one group said, darker is a better. And then we have a two Ethiopian students. Just a beautiful model, like a tall, lean, you know, African, you know, uh, sisters. But somehow their darkness is a little, I mean, their skin is lighter than, you know, other. And they are saying that you're not real black beauty. Who make this kind of judgment? In kingdom of God, in full presence of God, we all know that. One single cell of our body we didn't make. It all made by God. And we all say, you are beautiful, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are beautiful. We no longer have a distorted view of the beauty. I want to bring one more thing. What about the drugs? You know, America, we, we are serious. Those of us, I, I just recently kind of exposed a little bit about young people doing a recre recreational drug. You know, marijuana and whatever, and the opioid is a big problem, but uh, you know, non, you know. But I just want to say, anytime you have, unless you have a real medical reason to use a drug, you know, please, before you usually think about the cost, not we pay, but a lot of you know, Latinos pay. You know Mexico, they, their murder rate is worse than Syria. Why? Because of drug. South America, 
the drug cartel is ruining the democracy and all the regular, I mean, the average, I mean, normal life. Why? Americans are so addicted to drug use. We are the, the largest consumer of drugs. And we, we so, Paul is saying that at the end, through resurrection of Christ, we will receive the resurrected body just as Jesus said. And that resurrected body is, once again, yearn for God's glory, loves God's truth, and wants to behold God's beauty more than anything, and sees everywhere in God's beauty. And that is the true glory and power. That is true, imperishable, everlasting. Joni Erickson Tata. Some of you know Joni Erickson Tata. She's a one. Uh, when she was a teenager, she had a, she dived. Uh, in, in, she had a diving accident, and then she broke her neck, and she became a quadriplegic. But it, th through that, she met Christ, and she became an incredible motivation speaker and uh, artist. And uh, somebody asked her about, uh, oh, don't you yearn for the day that you will have a resurrected body, that you're out of a wheelchair, and so forth? And this is Johnny Erickson's uh, Tara's response. Don't assume that all I ever do is a dream about springing out of this wheelchair, jumping up and dancing and kicking and doing aerobics. No, I'm looking forward to heaven because of a new heart, a heart free of sin, sorrow, and selfishness that beats having a new body any day. She is talking about heart full of God's love and glory will beat. Any new body will make her to walk around and dive and swim, whatever. Amen? And the, now, let me, before I bring a third point, I want to say this. This new body once again, it's not just something waiting for us in the future. Yes, definitely in the, when Jesus returns, we all get that glorious resurrected body. But at the same time, this one, we don't just wait. We do nothing. It can start here too. How? Once again, we experience the seed, right? Seed might not, you know, seed that seed, can grow even here. First John 3, 2, Apostle John said this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, but what we will be has not been made known. But we know when Christ appears, we shall be like him, because we will see him as he is. You know, the glorious body, the right use of a body, will happen when we see Jesus. It's not like a, some kind of a spirit... Some kind, of course, there is a magical transformation, but John said, right, the reason our body will conform to will of God is because we see how beautiful God is. The more we see God, the more we, our body will be like His. There's a connection between seeing God and becoming like God. And how do we see God? We don't see God when we die. We see God even here too, of course. At the end, we see God face to face, as Paul says, in glory, full glory state. But 
even in this world, we can see God. How? Through His Word. Through the worship. And through the confession of each other. I want to say this. How do I see Jesus around me? Of course, through the scripture and prayer. But also, you know where I see? In the house church. Every week we come together. We share our brokenness. Our real struggle. Our real prayer and praises. That's how I see God in action. I see how we struggle with God's word. That's how I see it. You know, from time to time. That's why I go to some house church and then I hear the sharing and then I just wonder that, you guys, this house church, they just, you know, scratch the surface. They don't really bring out the true struggle. And sometimes I'm worried that you don't have a true struggle. That means, are you really spiritually searching for God? Or are you just playing the Christian games? I just, you know, going through the motions every week. And so, I intentionally try to share my struggle. I do. And then, don't worry, I do have a struggle. You know, I want, to, I want you to know all my struggle. Problem is that some of you will not be edified by all of my struggles. So, you know, I have to be careful. And, from, and then, so, a few times, I really thought, I, I, I really pray about sharing and then share and then, when I come home, Jamie says, you share too much. <laughs> you share too much. And I understand her fear. You know? I don't, you have to know clearly, we are all sinners. We are all broken. No matter how good we look, Inside, without Christ, I'm a rotten sinner. You know, when Paul said he's the worst of all, I don't think it was a, you know, humble, you know, very hypothetical, humble way. It's not a euphemism. He really meant it. And I totally agree. Yeah, you're the worst. But you know, I'm also worse too. And in the house church, you know how God reveals himself through our real spiritual struggle and nakedness. If you don't get naked with each other, how you I mean when you wash, Suman, do you wash with your you know clothes on? How do you 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 get naked and you go shower, right? That's how we clean our body. Spiritual thing is the same thing. You need to get your spiritual spirit get naked through confession in front of other brothers and sisters. And that's what the James said, when you confess your sin to one another, this is how God will cleanse you and heal you, restore you. Nothing is of... So there's some house churches I go and, I, you know, the brothers and sisters really share their private struggle. You don't know how much I'm blessed by them. How much hope I have. And how much prayer I want, you know, I do for them. And I want this to happen to every single one of us and every church, every house church. And guess what? We're praying about the VIPs. You know, when VIPs come, when non-Christians come and see how seriously and safely we share our struggle. There is a they will see God. They will smell God. They will say, This is weird. This is strange. And I like this. This is what they will say. 
So glorification is not some kind of just a future, you know, dreamy thing. It is something connected to our present, what we do here today. Let me move on quickly to the third point. The resurrection and redemption, once again, is related to sanctification. Let's read the last, uh, for the last time, verse 50 to 58, responsibly. Here, ready? Brothers, we go first. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does a perishable inherit the imperishable. In a flesh, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, that will be raised, imperishable, and will be changed. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with the immortality, then saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed in victory. Thing of death is a sin, the power of a sin is the law. Let's read together. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Paul once again said, Who can give us this spiritual body? Where do we get this glorification? He said, only Jesus can give us that glorification. And he said, not flesh, blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's not about human endeavor. It's not a human religion. It's not our own moral improvement. We'll get that kind of a glorious body or spiritual body and, and, and future. But it is through Jesus Christ. His victory is our victory. And actually, the death has been swallowed up in victory. You know, this is not a Paul's word. It's a Isaiah's word. It's an Old Testament prophecy. It's a Paul is a sort of quoting. Isaiah 25, 6 and 7 said this, On this mountain, the holy mountain, Jerusalem, the Lord Almighty will prepare feast for rich food for all peoples. All people means not only Jewish people, all people in the world, a banquet of aged wine, good wine, and best of meat, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shrewd that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. He will remove this people's disgrace. Now I'm talking about Jewish people. Of all earth, and the Lord has spoken. So Paul is saying is what Isaiah promised, that God will swallow death at the end of his story. It happened through Jesus Christ's resurrection. Jesus brought the end. Those of you who take a, a cornerstone Bible study, you will learn what that means. You will learn true biblical eschatology. End is already here. End is not coming. End is already here through Christ. And then he will wipe out Everyone's tear. Once again, John took this word later in the Revelation 21. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. First thing, have a passed away. 
And then Paul added another prophecy of Old Testament. That is Hosea 13, 14. It said, I will deliver them from the lands of, hands of a haze. I will redeem them from death. Death, where is your penalty? Or death, where is your sting? Paul just changed. Instead of, uh, you know, death, where is your plague? Then actually, that's yeah, different translation. You know, where is your power? Paul changed the, the, the you know, penalty with a power. And, oh, victory. That's where is your victory? By the way, victory. Nikos. Where is your victory? That's where is your Nikos. And where is your sting? Paul said, the three axes of evil, the sin, death, and law, they are all completed and debunked by Jesus Christ. God gave us a victory through Jesus Christ. Through his victory, you and I are ushered into the new future starting here and now. Our struggles. That's why Paul said, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labor in the Lord is not vain. Our journey together sharing our brokenness together, encouraging one another with uh, love and accountability and prayer. It's not in vain. It will be fruitful. Our seed, the holy seed, the seed of a glorious body will grow every week, every day, little bit by little bit, and one day it will be fully blossomed in the glory of God. Amen? So, don't think our church, our program, it's not a, just a church program. It is for our glory that Christ won for us and he's invited us to taste that glory here and now and that the more we follow Christ more glorious we will be here and now and the glory of God is something the world needs to see let me close with uh, uh, anti right the remaining of his poems. Uh, he said, But new creation has already begun. Sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to live behind it. the tomb of Jesus Christ, all that belong to brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. That's quite simply what it means to be Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which has now thrown open before us. We are new creation in Christ. That's why, as a Hyung shared in testimony, we still fail, we still sin, but unlike before, we don't rationalize, we don't just give up hope, but we fight. We fight with the confession, we fight with the you know, repentance, we ask other people to pray for our shameful mistake, and we continue to fight. And amazingly, God will answer our prayers. We're going to sing a, a, a song, a dedication song. And uh, before we sing that this dedication song, I want us to read the song together. Because someone told me that sometimes we don't know what we sing. We just sing along with the melody. So we better you know, know the meaning of what we are singing, because each song is a prayer. This is a well-known song, popular Christian song these days, Come Alive by Lauren Daigle. 
And she said she composed this song because some of her friends, she saw some of her friends who grew up together Christian, but now they kind of went away from God. And she felt this ache for the this prodigal you know, brother and sisters. And then she was kind of calling them to come back and come alive. But also I think it's an applicable song to us because we all have this kind of uh, waywardness in us. The world constantly whispering to us false ideas, false beauty, fake beauty, and tell us to find, follow that. But Spirit of God is telling us, come alive, come alive. The, the refrain part is, it came from the Ezekiel chapter 37 when God called the prophet Ezekiel in the, in the dry, you know, valley of a corpse and said, prophesy, they rise. And Ezekiel prophesied. Actually, I think it's a great, I know, a great, you know, a para, great picture. God called us to prophesy. God called us to say, declare, and God make it come alive. Our job is to declare. God's job is to bring the power through our proclamation. So let's read this uh, from the beginning. Let's read together. One, two, three. Through the eyes of man is seen. There is so much we have lost. As we look down the road, where all the particles have a walk, and one by one the enemy has whispered lies and let them off as a slave. But we know that you are God. Yours is a victory. We know there is a more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you have been given us, we step into valley unafraid. We call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead heart, come alive, come alive. Up out of ashes, let us see an army rise. We call out to dry bones, come alive. God of endless mercy, God of relenting love, rescue every daughter, bring us back to the wayward sons, and by your spirit breathe upon them, show the world you alone can save, you alone can